Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alex Chester. And Av, do you think I go around feeling up old ladies? <laughs> and I'm Av Sadensky, and I once did five minutes for Norman Cousins on his deathbed and bombed. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 8, Beloved Aunt, or Beloved Aunt, which originally aired on December 3rd, 2000. Av, I would say in Season 1, at least based on the title, this is sort of the, the most iconic episode in the season. Yeah, this is definitely like, you know, the way with Seinfeld where you could just like hear the episode title and you know yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. Most of Curb is not like that. It's kind of just random. But Beloved Aunt, as soon as you hear that, like, you yeah. know exactly what the main storyline of this episode is. Exactly. So let's jump right into that storyline. Uh, we start. It's a funeral for Cheryl's aunt. By the way, uh, how do you pronounce that word? Ants. Okay, you say Like ants the bug. Well. Okay. Like the insect. Yes. So do I. So uh, we see the condolence line at the service which is limited to Cheryl, her parents, and her sister, Becky. So this aunt had no siblings other than uh, Cheryl's mom. We'll discover later in the episode that Cheryl's mom, not Cheryl's dad, who was her sister. No parents, no spouse, uh, no children. The only mourners are her one sister, her brother-in-law, and her two nieces. And for some reason, she lives in L.A., even though nobody in her family lived there except for her niece. So it seems a little bit... You, you don't want to think about this too much, because if you do, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Um, well, maybe she was in showbiz. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, obviously, I mean, the alternative... Yeah, because she did have quite a few people there, considering it was uh, you know, in L.A., far away from her family. The alternative is they would have had to cast you know, a million other family members which, and then have to come up with roles for them. So this yeah, is this way seems easier. Place. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl's sister, Becky, uh, who we meet for the first time, she's an unknown Caitlin Olsen. Uh, we'll later get to know her much better from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But here, we don't really know her yet. No, she's not a known name yeah. at this point. She's also wearing a rather risque uh, top for a funeral, no? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Larry has paid for his in-laws and sister-in-law and the boyfriend, Craig, to fly in. And Craig asks Larry if the room he's paying for comes with the minibar, which is a, a pretty chutzpahdik, uh, as our people would say, thing to ask. But Larry says, sure, go ahead. Yeah, Larry is um, a great guy in this episode. Yeah, all season one. That's my theory, right? Larry's the good <laughs> yeah. guy. Cheryl's the bad guy. Um, I like when Larry tells Craig he can have a Toblerone. And uh, Craig says he doesn't drink. Yeah. I thought it was also very funny earlier in the scene where somebody wishes Larry condolences on his aunt. And he's a, he's a sure to immediately correct yeah. the guy and tell him that it's Cheryl's aunt, not yeah, his aunt. Exactly. Which I get because it's like he doesn't want too much sympathy directed his way. But it's also like not the right thing yeah. to say because you're basically saying like, I don't really care. I'm not mourning. This yeah. is, you know, Cheryl's person. Yeah, by the way, we've been talking about the connection between season one and season 10. Also in season 10, Larry's in a hotel room where uh, someone that he's paying for to be there eats a Toblerone bar. Yeah, and Becky returns. Yes, and Becky returns as well. Uh, so Craig asks Larry how long he and Cheryl dated before they got married. Larry says, after we had intercourse, we got married pretty quickly. <laughs> and then Craig confide, confides to Larry that Becky wants to get married, 
But he was actually five minutes away from breaking up with her uh, before her aunt committed suicide. Yeah, that's just bad timing. Yeah, very bad timing. Uh, Craig asks Larry how long he has to wait to break up with her. Larry says, look, if it was a mother, a week. But because it's an aunt in another city, he can break up right after they get back to Florida. And then Craig asks Larry what he should say. And Larry says, just tell her you're unhappy. <laughs> Which Larry says he never used, but he thinks it'll work. And then, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And then Larry tells Craig uh, this conversation never happened. <laughs> which uh, is uh, obviously going to come back to bite Larry. Uh, Cheryl's parents are sad that Larry, that the aunt uh, did not have an obituary. So Larry says he has a friend at the paper and he'll take care of it. And Cheryl's mom tells Larry how much uh, they love him. So very sweet. Everything going great so far. Larry leaves to go join Jeff for lunch. Jeff asks Larry why he's still wearing his tie from the funeral. Larry says, once you wear an outfit, you wear it to completion. Uh, is that your perspective? No, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, first of Take all, like, you should never wear it. You should never wear a tie. Yeah. If for some reason you're forced to wear a tie, you take it off at the first possible yes. opportunity. Exactly. Or at least loosen it so it's not like, you know, choking your neck. But anyway, um, Jeff tells Larry he'll take care of the obituary. So here again, you know, this has been a sort of a, an annoyance of mine all season. We see that Larry has started using his cell phone, right? Because Jeff already knows about this, the obituary thing directly uh, before even uh, Larry gets to lunch. Anyway, Larry right. and Jeff complain about how rude it is that the aunt killed herself without leaving a note. Jeff tells Larry that his parents are in town and Larry should buy his mom a gift for her birthday, given Jer- Jeff's parents' previous anger at Larry. Jeff really imposing here on Larry, I think. Yeah, Jeff is like kind of in- inconsistent this season, I think, in terms of whether or not he actually is like on Larry's side and like, yeah, I know my parents are crazy, but just yeah. like appease them versus like when he thinks Larry's actually should be doing stuff yeah. like here. He seems to like genuinely think like Larry should buy a, a birthday gift for his mom, not that his mom is not. Yeah, and that'll also come up later when uh, the mom makes an accusation against Larry. And Jeff's initial perspective is not to say it's ridiculous, but he actually believes his mom when he first accuses <laughs> Larry. Right. But um, yeah, so Larry and Cheryl's family and friends are now sitting around Larry's house morning, sort of sitting Shiva, but obviously uh, it's not Shiva. They're upset that Becky's boyfriend has just broke up with him broke up with her so uh craig did not wait until he got back to florida per larry's advice larry wants to leave the non-shiva house to go play golf but cheryl nixes it you know for cheryl's aunt i think that's a little bit of an imposition by cheryl um i mean i feel like if there if your family like went to a funeral in the morning and everyone came back to like the house afterwards like you would assume you're probably like that's where you're spending the day well but this is this is the next day though isn't it I, I thought it was the same day because but be right. Larry left that to go to lunch with Jeff so he already yeah left, that's true right yeah, that's and true. also Craig has broken up and so I would I was assuming this was the next day and uh, yeah okay yeah. you could be right if that's the case then yeah, if he's allowed to go to lunch with Jeff the day before why is the day of the funeral then why isn't he allowed to uh, go to golf the next day that doesn't really make sense yeah no yeah. you're right anyway Cheryl's dad remarks that laughter is important in times of mourning uh, Larry says he once performed for Norman Cousins on his deathbed and uh, as you already made the good joke about how he bombed. And Cheryl's dad responds by saying, you know, who's really funny is that Carrot Top. Av, can you explain (laughs) Carrot Top to our younger listeners? Um, Carrot Top is what you would call a prop comic. Yeah. Um, He just, like, had, like, a suitcase full of, like, you know, like a water bottle that could spray you or, like, a giant mustache and a clown's hat and just... Uh, some people, I guess, thought this was funny because, like, he would, like, sell out shows in Vegas and such. Yeah. Um, somebody actually told me recently that they went to see him in Vegas because they got free tickets and it was actually very good. Okay. But, I don't, but you also have to I understand what Carrot Top looks like. He has this, like, sideshow yes. Bob uh, yeah. orange hair on top. And then he was jacked to, like, he was obviously on a lot of steroids in the late 90s because he was, like, incredibly jacked, which made no sense with sort of the rest of his uh, shtick. Yeah. I think he did, like, reality TV at some point. Yeah. He was, he was around in, like, the, the late 90s, early aughts. Um, anyway, Larry suddenly remembers that the obituary should be out, and he offers to go buy a paper. 
you know, I'm sensitive to Larry here. Like, I'm I'm in a situation in my life right now where I'm desperate for any excuse to get out of this house, and I don't really have any. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so Larry's looking for an excuse, but Cheryl's dad is anxious to get it because he likes to use his rental car. Uh, Larry then, continuing his use of impressions in season one, he does a pretty good Vito Corleone impression. Um, Becky comes downstairs. She's disconsolate about Craig breaking up with her, and Larry suddenly remembers he has to go get the birthday gift for Jeff's mom. So Larry leaves. Couldn't go golfing, but he leaves to uh, go to the ball. Quickly picks a pair of sunglasses, and then he asks for gift wrap. And then him and the salesperson have this like very awkward, very curb-esque conversation about how Larry has to go to different stores to get the gift wrap and the scissors and the scotch tape. And like this whole thing is like, <laughs> first of all, he's at a mall. Um, department stores yeah. often have gift wrapping departments. Yeah, there's a lot of things yeah. here that are very ridiculous. You like the just, store would almost certainly have yeah. this, and. If you didn't, if you needed to get everything, like first of all, there's probably then there's stores that would just do it for you yeah. also. And worst case, there's like a store that would have all the same supplies. Like the idea that you would have to go to four different yeah. stores in this example was didn't really add up, but like it was a good stand-in for like that type of phenomenon that does exist a lot, where it feels like you have to go to three different stores yeah. to get one thing. Uh, by the way, when's the last time you wrapped a present for a non-child? Like you put it in a gift bag with frilly paper. You don't need to like wrap it. Um. Yeah, I guess that's right. I mean, I guess it depends what it is. Like, if it's like a book or something hard, you might want to wrap it. Depends. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, you know, you throw it in one of those gift bags and you don't need any scissors or tape. Um, also, Larry, by the way, you got to get a gift receipt for those sunglasses. Like, it's a big assumption that this mom is going to like these sunglasses. But uh, yeah. anyway, um, Larry gets home to discover everyone is very pissed at him because of the ad. Instead of saying <laughs> devoted sister, beloved aunt, the obituary describes uh, her differently. Ah, but what does it say? It says beloved cunt. <laughs> Which, uh, and I know some of our... Uh, listeners are in other countries, in other Anglo-speaking countries, where that word doesn't really have the same meaning it has in America. In America, it's the second to worst word you can basically use. Uh, what's the first worst? <laughs> I don't know. What's the what's worst? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I got it. I, I think I know. I'm just trying to get you to say things. All right. Anyways, um, from their emotional reactions, we see that Luis, which is her name, was Cheryl's mother, sister, not her father's. Anyway, here to me is another example of people being pissed at for something that's not his fault. And then Cheryl, again, is the evil one who throws him under the bus. Like, Larry turns to Cheryl for support that it was a typo and that it's not his fault, but she leaves him flopping in the wind. Then Becky comes down and accuses Larry of having encouraged Craig to break up with her when, in actual fact, Craig was doing it anyway, and Larry just advised on timing, which Craig actually ignored. But yet again, evil Cheryl is here to pile on her husband, and she literally throws Larry out of the house for these alleged misdeeds. So I would say I think on the on the first one you're definitely right. Like Larry does nothing wrong with the ad. Like it's obviously and it should be obvious to them that like this is like a newspaper screwed up and there's a typo. Yeah. It's nothing to do with Larry. Um, you know, it's their responsibility to like proofread. Like nobody put in an ad for a beloved cunt <laughs> in the newspaper. It's just like they they, they should know that. Um, with the boyfriend. I feel like Larry is more responsible here because a like he probably should just not have gotten involved like in the beginning and like he did like kind of you know make it easier for the guy to break up with her. Then he was asked about it and he lied about it, which obviously shows that he's like he felt guilty about something. Um, so I think he's you know I don't think he's like on solid ground in like the way he acted with the whole sister and the boyfriend situation, but she that, that's not enough to kick him out of the house and he's just they're just compounding it because of the the obituary which as we said zero percent his fault yeah so yeah larry uh, and cheryl i just i i don't think she's being very nice to her husband also like throwing him out of the house that's a bit strong anyways no yeah i mean that's a, that's like you know a very excessive penalty i've never been thrown out of my yeah. house and i've done some <laughs> stupid things um yeah um all right so larry who uh turned down the advice of the sunglasses sales lady to buy the wrapping paper at the gift store at the mall 
Now starts asking random strangers at a gas station. They tell him to go to Hallmark, but he has no idea where that is. And like it really in like the pre-smartphone era, this seems like an impossible task without a phone book. But on the other hand, he's at a gas station. They almost certainly have a phone book. Yeah, I remember there was like that stage in between, like when you got cell phones, like where the the trick was you would like call somebody who was by a computer and ask them to look up something for you. It's like I'm on this thing. Can you get me directions to? I need to go to this movie theater and like find out what's playing and what times because like that was the only the only thing you could do. Yeah, well, do you remember? Uh, tell me eight hundred five five five. Tell yes. <laughs> tell our younger listeners what that was. <laughs> the absurd. Tell me was like you could just like call up and ask them for like sports scores. Like you would, they would like you would like say like MLB scores, and like you would like I pay like five cents a minute or something like that, and they would like run down all the scores. It was like getting like the like a fifteen forty five update. Yeah. So in my memory, it was free because I remember like I vividly Maybe remember on our like class trips, for example, I'd get off the like we'd be driving somewhere in like Maryland on a Sunday, and I'd call, tell me, and you scream sports, and then it never hears right. you. Yes. Sports, <laughs> NFL, yes, and then and then yeah, Vikings, and then all of a sudden the audit says. With fifth, with five minutes and thirteen seconds left in the third quarter, the Vikings are getting crushed by the Seahawks, <laughs> thirty-eight to thirteen. And um, and then you call back, you know, five minutes later to get a further update. So yeah, and that's what we had to deal with, the young ones, uh, before the yeah. before smart. Those are the dark ages. Yeah. Anyway, Larry comes to Jeff's house, and Jeff's asshole father complains that the gift isn't wrapped. <laughs> so, I guess somebody disagrees with me about whether uh, gifts have to be wrapped for a. Uh, for older people. Anyways, Jeff's mother seems to like them, but she rejects the gift because she needs prescription sunglasses, and Larry offers to take care of it. Then Jeff asks about the obituary, and Larry shows him and tells Jeff he wants letters of apology from the newspaper and from Jeff. So <laughs> Larry's sort of flipping this on Jeff, because Jeff's always demanding Larry to write letters of apology to people. So Yeah, we've, we've already seen Jeff yeah. write it. Who does he? Oh, Kathy Griffin. He writes yeah. her a letter of apology every week. Yeah. Uh, Susie, by the way, totally on Larry's side here. It's shocking to see, like, early Curb, Susie is a better person than Cheryl, other than the one episode where she's called her husband a fat fuck for getting the house from. But she tells Jeff to call Cheryl and personally apologize. Basically, she understands that Larry is not at any fault here. And then when Larry tells him he's kicked out of the house, Susie insists that he's going to stay at their house with Jeff's parents as well. So yeah, she, to me, she like, made a great yeah. she made a great dinner. He's welcome to yeah. stay. Yeah, so, she's, she's wonderful. Yeah, right Su- now. Susie, a much better wife than Cheryl in season one of Curb. Uh, Jeff's mom is very excited about the sunglasses and asks to see what she looks like. So Larry holds the toaster up so Jeff's mom can see herself in the reflection of the toaster. But Larry's arm accidentally brushes up against her bosom, and she does not react well to this at all. And as Larry walks out of the room, Susie says, See, Mom, I told you he's got a very, very sweet side. So yet again, Susie better than Cheryl. But Jeff's mom scoffs at the very. uh, She obviously believes that the accidental brush against was not so accidental. Uh, He was copying a feels. (laughs) He stopped short. So Larry's in bed at Jeff's house, falling asleep. Jeff walks in and says, you got to go. You copped a feel on my mom. You got to go. <laughs> How the fuck can Jeff believe this insanity? <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Like, it, Larry's done nothing wrong in this episode. He's gone out of his way to be helpful to everyone, and it's earned him nothing but en- enmity from everyone. And, like, Larry yells at Jeff, like, do you think I go around feeling up old ladies? Which is completely, like, in the, like, I'm like, Jeff's behavior is shocking here. And then Jeff sort of concedes, and he says, yeah, okay, fine. Um, you can stay, set your alarm at 7 a.m. so you can get out before uh, my parents wake up. Now, by the way, old people wake up very early. If you're setting your alarm at 7, like, just parents yeah, you're not. Up. Yeah, you're not going to get out in time. Yeah. Anyways, uh, turns out we don't get to find out because at 2 a.m. Larry gets up to go to the bathroom and he runs to Jeff's mom in the hall. Uh, by the way, I, also, I would think that Jeff could afford a house with like an ensuite bathroom in the guest room. But anyway, um, <laughs> could all the houses are a little more modest in season one. Soon everyone but Sammy uh, is up at 2 a.m. yelling and screaming in the hallway. And although Jeff and Susie are both on Larry's side, 
um, you know, Jeff's parents are really pissed and, and, and Larry's got to go. So uh, as Larry leaves the house, he tells Jeff, even when I was dating, I would wait four months to make a breast move. And it yeah, I related in to that kitchen in front of their daughter-in-law. And their son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, four months. That's way too long. Like Larry. Yeah, four months, is too, four months yeah. is too long. You gotta, you gotta make a move before four months. Uh, you won't get to four months if you wait that long. Anyways, Jeff tells Larry he'll take care of the prescription for the sunglasses, but Larry is retracting the gift at this point. Jeff asks Larry if he's familiar with the term Indian giving, which obviously he is because it was like a part of a whole episode of Seinfeld, which Jeff should know. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar yeah. with that term. <laughs> so uh, Larry says it's a racist term, but I'm okay with that. That's a term. But I'm okay with that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he'd say that in 2020. Anyways, uh, or maybe he would actually. Uh, Jeff asks what uh, Larry's going to do with them, and Larry says, I'll give them to someone who likes me. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Larry arrives at the hotel at three in the morning looking for a room. They don't have a room. And Larry says to kick Craig out because he's paying for Craig's room. And the lady at the front desk says she can't do that. I like that she like she like entertains this notion. Where she's like, oh, like, let me see what the computer has to yeah. say about that. Oh, no, the computer says we don't just trust random guys that they paid for the yeah. room. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. Well, but she could look it up and see that he has a name, his credit card. But anyways, I mean, that's actually – so a pet peeve of mine, I've always said, like, if I worked in, like, in a restaurant, like, as a waiter – I would never, ever, ever, ever say no. Like, it, it, nothing bothers me more when you're at a restaurant and you say, hey, can I get, you know, french fries instead of a salad? No. We, no swaps allowed. Like, I, I never understand why, like, a, a, a waiter or waitress's job is to make you like them so that you'll give them a big tip. And if somebody asked me an absurd thing, if somebody said, like, can I have, like, fried dinosaur? I would always say, let me go back and check. And then I'd come back and say, hey, I really tried. I'm sorry. Like, always be the good guy. Get on the side. And so I appreciate how she's like, well, let me look it up. Let me try. Like, you know. Right. Make the person think Fair you're enough. making an effort. I don't understand why people all, all immediately shoot things down. Um, anyways, Larry's incredulous that there's not one room available. He says, what would happen if he was Frank Sinatra Jr.? It's crazy to me that there was a time not that long ago when Frank Sinatra Jr. had more pull in Hollywood than Larry David. Yeah, right? But, um, yeah, that's yeah. surprising. But what about time. the Pope? Yeah, he also yeah the Pope, the they, would find, yes, they would find the room for, I think. The they throw Craig out. Anyways, Larry turns to walk out, and he sees Craig coming back with another girl. What's wrong yeah, with this Craig? is this is good for Craig. He's acts quick, yes. and he's he's not even in his home city. He's just like picking up girls in L.A. Yeah. Well, he says he has a hotel and a fi- uh, room in a five star hotel, so maybe it's easier. And he has unlimited yeah. minibar access, so that's right. Maybe that's what brings him. Anyways, Craig uh, seems drunk. He's like very belligerent. He's kind of an asshole. And when Larry asks him why he ratted Larry out to Becky, first he denies it, and then he says, "Well, that's your problem." And then Craig and sort of implies that he wants to get in a fight with Larry, but a security guard arrives and tells Craig that as a guest of the hotel, he should go back up to his room. But Larry, who is not, gets the boot. So uh, Larry, yeah, I, 0 for 2 in finding a place to sleep tonight. 0 for 3, I guess, because he got kicked out of I also house. liked when he was he was, uh, he was was trying to see if he could get the uh, person at the computer to help him. He asks her if he ever saw, he ever saw Seinfeld, yeah. and she says yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, okay, just curious. Yeah, he he's like so, drop it, but yeah. yeah, he's like so awkward about like capitalizing on his fame. Yeah, and of course, he never says Seinfeld. He always says the Seinfeld show, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, apparently this is the only hotel in L.A. because Larry drives back to his house, parks on the street, and sleeps in his car. It's unclear to me why he's parking on the street, why he doesn't, like, at least go into the driveway or the garage or, frankly, the house. Like, it's insane that he goes along with this. Like, I've also oh, never been that my the house. the house that he lives in. Also, like, there was only one hotel in yeah, Los Angeles. Exactly. Like, I've, I've never, like, been kicked out, as you said, but, like, like, it's sort of like a trope of, like, television and sitcoms and movies and stuff about, like, sleeping on the couch. I've never understood that concept. Like... If someone's mad at me and they don't want me to be in the bed, then they can leave. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. I mean, I guess it's like old fashioned. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, Larry should be able to come home and say, listen, you fine. You threw me out of the house, which is like not acceptable. So I went to Jeff's house yeah. and then for some reason I got kicked out of that house. <laughs> why? <laughs> and then I why? went to a hotel <laughs> and I got kicked out of the hotel. <laughs> so now you have to let me back in. Like, this is like, you know, I've, I've made a lot of good faith effort to not yes, sleep here. Tonight. Exactly. Anyway, it's early the next morning and the sun wakes Larry up in the car. But he uses the sunglasses, which, by the way, he had also tried to pawn off on some other people. <laughs> and he uses the sunglasses to try and uh, block out uh, a little bit of the sun so he can go back to sleep. So that's the end of the episode. As we said at the top, like Beloved Ant is the probably the most famous episode from season one. Certainly the most famous moment. But it's the only episode, as you said, whose title is immediately evocative. And when I did my rankings a couple of years ago, I had it as the number one episode from season one. But watching it this week, I didn't love it. I'm going to give it a uh, pretty, pretty good. Just two pretties for me. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I was a little disappointed because like I guess it's just because it was a memorable episode. Um, I expected it to be a great episode, and this was a I think a below average episode. So I'll agree and give it also two out of five pretty pretty goods. Okay. Who's your come with guy? Um, I almost don't want to pick one. I don't think there was like anyone who really stood out in a positive way. Um, maybe Jeff's mom, but like I, he was just crazy. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip this week for the come with. I don't think anyone deserves it. So interesting. I also didn't have one. I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. I didn't know skipping was an option. You cannot pass. Anyways, I appreciate how Susie's always on Larry's side. She's the anti-Cheryl. So I'm gonna give it to Susie this week. All right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could agree with that. But yeah, I really don't think there was anything. There was like no like positive standout in this yeah. episode. Worst person, I think, is pretty obvious. Uh, that's got to be Craig. He uh, he asks Larry for advice. Larry's you know nice enough to give him advice. He kind of follows his advice, but doesn't really. Then he rats out Larry to the sister and gets Larry in trouble. And then he gets Larry kicked out of the hotel that he paid for. Yeah. Um, very bad guy. Very bad yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, Craig's a douche for sure in that last scene. But Cheryl is always throwing her husband under the bus. Literally throws him out of the house. So to me, Cheryl is the worst person this week. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I think uh, neighbor Dean, though, I think still yes. is going to hold the belt. Yes, for sure. I, I don't know if that guy's ever if that guy's ever giving this away. Yeah, it's gonna. He uh, he really uh, made a strong impression in his uh, singular performance. <laughs> We have a couple quick emails. Yeah. Now, apologies. This is coming out uh, quite late this episode this week, but it's been uh, strange times for all of us, and uh, yeah, it's been hard so, to find yeah, time we're, to we're, record. We're doing our best. Yeah. Okay. First, uh, first email is from Bob Savage. He says, "This is my favorite episode of the season. Poor Larry. Everyone hates on him for something that wasn't his fault. Yep. Very true. L- love the moment when Larry told Shara's mom, you can you can move over a little now on the couch.' <laughs> yeah." The biggest, the biggest dick is definitely Craig, the boyfriend. Second goes to Jeff's mom. Just say thank you and take the glasses. 
Payoff of the glasses was the weakest storyline of the episode. Brian Regan played the guy at the hotel who told Larry he needed to leave. He was on a show my wife and I used to watch called Oblivious. I'm spreading the work, the word here about the show. Looking forward to the next episode. Four pretties for beloved Ant. Thanks, guys. Bob Savage. P.S. Made a mistake about Amco. Rating should have been two pretties. All right. We'll okay. have to go back. And <laughs> Alex, I'm sure you'll update in the spreadsheet that I'm sure you yes. have. Okay. And then we'll final email from Olin Allen. Probably the most iconic episode of the first series. Do get amused at how extreme that cunt is seen by Americans, which I solely know of yeah. to occur, particularly from a later poker episode. Over here, it is a clear, strong swear word, but also one that could easily been used as a term of endearment, particularly between drunken male buddies. And th- this is, was my favorite track from an old comedy album I had as a teenager with the star of Ted and Arthur. Um, I watched this. He, he sent us a YouTube link. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Um, it's basically two guys calling each other a cunt and then a fucking cunt, and they just can't kind of keep escalating. Uh, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> um, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll put that link in so uh, Olin could share it with you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he says he enjoyed the portrayal of Larry as the kind of hanger-on at the funeral and the morning at the house, so relatable. Many times I quietly feel trapped in these family occasions. Would love to just get out, look for any excuse to get a newspaper, anything just for that enormous release when you step outside. Also, some small things like the exposition being used as misunderstandings about it being Cheryl's aunt who died and her relatives had flown in from Florida. It was a bit disconcerting to see how nice and admiring of Larry that Susie is, given what we are going to see to come. How did you guys feel about the ending? I thought it was a big buildup with the musical score, reasonably tame with the sunglasses blocking the sun. That's yeah. true. The, the ending was very anticlimactic. Yeah. But I, you, you, want, you kind of want something like a real tie-in to happen or something bad to happen to Larry, yeah. you know, something, you know. But um, yeah, this was kind of a met end. Yeah. But I think with the big hitting scene being in the middle episode, it was acceptable to play out on a column note. That's fair. Uh, standout of the week I have a real thing for the parents and Curb this season and have more highlights later Jeff's dad has some great moments with only about three lines but I give it to Cheryl's father if just for the opening delivery of the title of the episode that's not bad yeah. that's not a bad call he, he was pretty good um, the asshole he gives it to, she also to Craig the boyfriend particularly when bringing his new lady friend up to Larry's booked room just a complete sociopath that no one should ever dare offer advice for how he would turn it around would put him as number one a-hole of the series ahead of Wayne Fetterman Julia Louis-Dreyfus's obsessed neighbor very strong four and a half pretty good out of five wow all right so the listener is much higher on this episode than we are so glad to see that some people still are enjoying it even though we uh we don't we didn't enjoy it as much as we remembered it yeah i mean i still enjoyed it yeah yeah it's still still, you know yeah still a solid episode of tv all right so uh next week on curb we will have episode nine the penultimate episode of season one called affirmative action Yep, Cheryl's quest to get a prescription filled is repeatedly complicated by Larry, including a bad joke that he tells in front of Richard Lewis's doctor. Yep, Cheryl will have to deal with a bout of dermatitis. Dermatitis is not great, but if you compare it to coronavirus, I'd say it's... Pretty, 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 pretty good. 